Welcome to the new TV Gold podcast from Media Week's Andrew Mercado and James Manning, a podcast for people who love great television. On this episode of TV Gold, we're going to be looking at the crowded room, the swarm, first inventors, and based on a true story. Hi, Andrew Mercado. Hi there, James Manning. We haven't all seen everything this week. I've been doing a little bit of traveling. I've had a bit of trouble trying to log on at different times to watch stuff, but let's start with something we've both seen, if you like, um, The Crowded Room. Yeah, this is a new Apple TV series. It's kind of, I don't know, it seemed like a, a weird concept to me. There was When you told me to watch it, I looked at it and thought, yeah, I don't know that I really want to watch this. Um and I watched it, and this should be the sort of show that I would be into because it's it's set in the 70s, and I love anything that kind of recreates, particularly, you know, New York and yeah. that environment in the 70s. But uh, it's, a, it's a very it, – it feels to me like this is going to be a, a really slow burn, 10 episodes. I'm not quite sure whether or not that first episode has done enough to make me wait 10 episodes as to what's going on. What did you think? Yeah, look, it's um I I liked it with a with a few reservations, I guess. It's um Tom Holland plays a guy called Danny Sullivan. Uh starts off, well the action starts it's in 1979 and I've got to say the yep. recreation is brilliant. They've just it really is. Looking at those opening scenes, it's um it starts off he's He's with um, the what's the name of the girl he's with? I've just lost it. Anyway, um, co-star. We'll, we'll get back to her. But he plays Danny Sullivan. Yeah. He's in Rockefeller Center, right? And they've yeah. recreated 1979 Rockefeller Center. So all the cars, um, all the cars. Yeah, as there. far as the eye can see. Yeah, they've taken over the street. It's just amazing. So the recreation is beautiful. He's supposed to go and shoot somebody. He follows them down through Rockefeller Center. He catches up to the person. The person turns around. His figures on the trigger, but he freezes. He doesn't shoot. Okay. Yeah. So the person is with, grabs the gun, goes in the pursuit, fires a few bullets, and um, gets this person in the shoulder. Anyway, so Danny Sullivan gets away, manages to evade the cops. And the rest of the, but he eventually gets arrested. They, they, they catch him. And the rest of the show is sort of spent, well, as far as I've got, I'm into two episodes, is an investigator seems to spend a lot of time with him trying to get to the truth. Now, that investigator yeah. is Amanda Seyfried, uh, plays a character called Rhea Goodwin, but it's never quite explained why she spends so much time with him trying to find out what yeah. happens. Because I'm guessing in the yeah. U.S. criminal system, that might normally happen. Yeah, it didn't feel right to me. Now, the accomplice you're referring to, his female accomplice at the Rockefeller Center, is Ariana, as played by Sasha Lane. Right. Um, and she escapes, and she's on the run, and, you know, they catch Danny, and they're all the t always asking him, where is she, where is she, where is she? And then we go back into flashback back to him in high school when he's hanging out with his mates and selling drugs on the side and, and telling this story very, very slowly 
about how he meets Ariana and how he gets in with this this group of people that I guess are going to lead him even further astray. Yeah, yeah. Look, that um, Sasha Lane, she's a, a fascinating actress, isn't she? She's she's very, it's almost sort of uh, draining watching her work because she, mm. she gives her all and her character is so intriguing in this. Um, I loved her in um, Conversations with Friends where she played yeah. girl Bobby. Yeah. Um, which was very memorable. But, um, yeah, in this she's a real, real mysterious person and you don't know <laughs> what she gets up to and um, Tom Holland ends up sharing, staying with her in a sort of a boarding house. It's a bit of a weird situation. He's got the room next door, but he can never find out what she really does. He doesn't know what she gets up to. She's a bit of a, a night owl. She goes out off in the night and comes back in the morning often very distraught and you don't know what's happening. But it sort of sets up a bit of a mystery um, and it's it's got me intrigued a bit about what happens. And it was interesting reading, there was an interview with Tom Holland I saw this week and he said this role was so intense that he's taken a year off acting. He, he needed mm, I saw that. So yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was unusual. Look, it's great to see Tom Holland, who we know as Spider-Man, and he's he's really good as Spider-Man. I like uh, the interpretation of uh, the Peter Parker that he does in those movies, and he's a great actor. But look, James, 10, 10 hours for this, you need to really grab me by the throat in that first episode to keep me watching. And I just kind of watched it and went, yeah, I don't, I'm not in it for the long run, sorry. Yeah, and no, I think I am. If if no other reason, Amanda Seyfried. I mean, I, I'm there for her. I I like her work. She's she sort of walks through this so far. It's not. It doesn't really stretch her what she has to do. But look, I've I've loved her since Big Love, that that yeah. amazing series about the sort of the weirdos in the um the was it, it's Mormons, wasn't it? Um, yeah, religious the 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 ever the Bill Paxton with three wives and Amanda Seafried was one of his daughters. Yeah. Yeah. So that was amazing. I loved her as Marion Davies in uh Mank. Uh she was in the dropout more recently, portraying Elizabeth yeah. Holmes. So she's she's done a few real life characters recently, but I really love her work. So look, I'm going to keep watching this one. Good on it. It's all for you, James. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the crowded room. It's on Apple. I think the usual deal. They've dropped a couple of episodes early, and then I think the rest yeah. will follow on weekly. Let's go to some um, couple of things I haven't seen. Let's start off with the first Inventors, which I think is on ten. Is that right? Yeah, it uh, it began last night. It's the first ever co-production between Ten and NITV, which is really great to see uh, those to see a commercial network teaming up with a public broadcaster. And the first inventors is a TV series. It's been in the making for a long time, and it basically goes back and looks at all of these. Uh, all of this sort of lost history about our First Nations people. And certainly in that first episode, uh, it was quite stunning what the scientists did because, you know, there is recorded history of the first white settlers to Australia sort of writing and, and painting these beautiful, you know, cultivated grasslands 
that were there that they thought was just a freak of nature. And of course, now science can prove that it was actually the traditional fire burning by our Indigenous people that was keeping this land so beautifully cultivated. And what's incredible in the first episode of The First Inventors, they go into this rainforest in Tasmania that, you know, people have just always assumed that the rainforest was already there. But they actually do these experiments and go down into the soil and look at how old the trees are. And they discover that all of the trees in this rainforest are less than 160 years old. And then they're able to prove by the depth of the soil in these wetlands that once upon a time, this was a beautifully cultivated grassland that hadn't been overtaken into a rainforest because the Indigenous people were constantly doing that burn on, on the grasses, the cold burns as they call them. So fascinating to think that what we think we see uh, today that had always been here in Australia, in actual fact, Australia once was a very different place. So uh, I'm so excited to see where it goes. There's only four episodes when the first episode that I watched last night going to air was just so, so, so interesting. It's pretty bold of a free-to-air network to program something like this, is it? Is it early evening? It's at 7.30, is it? Or is it yeah, early? no, no, no. It's it's eight thirty. It comes it's on early. after uh, their seven thirty show. I don't know. They're still doing Master Chef on a Thursday night, but yeah, it, it goes into that eight thirty slot, and it does come on after Master Chef Australia. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. I really encourage people to have a look at it. It's hosted by Rob Collins, uh -huh. of course, a proud uh, Tiwi Islander man and actor who's just been in 10-pound poms on Stan and, of course, is known for Total Control on the ABC and RFDS on Seven, which they're making a second series of now. So uh, he's a great person to host this because he'll be – this is – The First Inventors is a show that international audiences will be really interested in because, you know, as someone that used to work in tourism and travel, James – Back in the 80s, I can tell you that, you know, one of the reasons that people want to come to Australia is they don't come here for our beaches or our great restaurants because you can get that anywhere in the world. When people from overseas decide to come to Australia, they come because they want to see our native animals and they want to see um, iconic landmarks like Uluru and the Sydney Opera House. And they come because of our Aboriginal culture. That's what makes us unique to overseas audiences. So that's why I think the first inventors will, will travel the world. And, you know, having Rob Collins hosted when he, you know, so many of his dramas are also now traveling the world, I think it, uh, it'll really resonate over there. Good stuff. Look, um, so that's uh, First Inventors. That's on uh, Network 10, or you can uh, watch it on demand at 10 Play. You're in a yeah. bit of a role, Andrew, so I might keep you going. I tried very hard to watch um, based on a true story this week, but things just didn't pan out for me. It sounds intriguing. What did you think? Well, yeah, this is a really bizarre TV series. Um, I heard somebody uh, compare this a bit to the success of Only Murders in the Building, um, which, of course, is the Steve Martin uh, 
series and Selena Gomez about uh, the people that are making a podcast in a New York building with all this murder. So Based on a True Story is also about a true crime podcast, but this one is really out there because you've got um, Kaylee Kuko uh, and Chris Messina who play a couple living in LA and they're both a bit down on their luck. Uh, None of them are doing terribly well in their careers. She's about to have a baby. You know, they've got financial uh, problems and uh, they have to get this tradie in to do some work. And uh, this guy, Matt, as played by Tom Bateman, he starts hanging out um, with the husband and they, they go to the bar and all of this. But there's also a serial killer on the loose. And okay. the one complaint I have about based on a true story is that, you know, it's it's kind of playing a bit as a, a dark comedy, which is fine. But the opening scene of it, James, is just the most horrific murder. And by this I mean you see a knife being plunged into a young female victim over and over and over again. And I don't know, James, I've probably said this before on here, but the older I get, the less I want to see scenes of graphic violence like this on TV. You know, if you look at only murders in the building, there's all these murders going on, but you never actually see the crime. And I don't understand why they felt it was necessary to do this. And so far I've watched two episodes and they 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 do the murder at the start of each episode. They do it every time. And it's like, please, I don't need to see this. I'm really, really sick and tired of seeing young women in American crime dramas being stalked and raped and graphically murdered, like plunging that knife in and out over and over again. It's like, whoa, I don't need to see that because this is a really interesting TV series with a really out there premise. I don't want to spoil it. It's got a really out there premise, and I just don't think it needed that really graphic violence to kick it all off. No, you're 100% right. We've often talked about this, and it's completely unnecessary. And uh, apart from each, you know, triggering effect it might have on on people too but it's just um just not needed a couple of interesting notes about the cast here tom bateman who played um who played uh matt pierce the he yeah. we just watched him in um funny a funny woman funny, funny yeah right woman. yes yes played, played clive um clive who was the love interest i think yeah absolutely and he's got that jaw he's got those you know he's got that classic leading man uh look um which is what makes his role in based on a true story so interesting because he's not as he makes out in this show and look his character in funny woman i thought was really interesting there too you know he was playing a kind of an egotistical actor um who went on a bit of a journey uh in funny woman but wow he's really uh he's really being stretched in based on a true story when you discover uh what's really going on with him i mean it's really really out there james Okay. And Chris Messina, he's a great actor. How does he go in this? Because he's not usually a lead character, is he? He's a great supporting um, cast member often. I've always liked him, um, and I think it's great to see him in a 
starring role. And it's really great because he's a bit vulnerable in this one. You know, he plays a famous tennis player uh, who is can see that uh, the younger guys are coming up and about to take his place. And he's kind of having, he's not having a midlife crisis, but he's certainly at that age where he's being pushed to the side for a new generation to come through. So he's kind of uh, really on the edge, which is why uh, it, they set it up beautifully as to why he decides to go down this very dangerous path uh, with a serial killer who's terrorising LA. We've seen him recently. He was in uh, Gaslit last year and he was in um, Air just a couple of weeks ago as uh, one yeah. of the Nike executives. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Doke, so that is um, based on a true story. You can watch that on Foxtel and Binge. Okay, the um, one of the most interesting of a fairly diverse bunch of programs this week is The Swarm. They've described yeah. it as an eco-thriller. I've seen the f two of the eight episodes. That's also on Foxtel and Binge. It's a multinational co-pro, so there's about, I think there's eight different broadcasters across eight European countries, plus I think Japan and Canada. Yep. And it's yep. no surprise the action takes place pretty much. It's, there's scenes in all of those countries where each of the, the co-producers are, are based. Look, it, it's um, – and the, they've spent a fair bit of money on this, although if you watch carefully, you can see that the special effects, some scenes are more convincing than others. But that's the ambition here is quite amazing, isn't it? They've they've taken on the whole planet, and um, they're looking at a mystery that comes from from deep under the sea, and it sort of it pops up in different places around the world. And in those first two episodes, there's still nothing that links all these diverse things together. Yeah, look, I've, I've watched it all now, James. I've watched all eight episodes. I wow. absolutely loved this. There's, there was something about it. That it, it was quite beautiful because, so the, you know, there's this underwater photography and the first episode in particular that starts on kind of Vancouver Island with what is just, you know, a, a kind of an innocent day with a group of people whale watching and you've, you, you've got these marine biologists who are kind of become aware that something isn't quite right with uh, the whales in their region. And it's the first clue that something is going terribly wrong with the animals in the ocean. But look, I absolutely bought into this. There was this kind of, uh, I don't know, there was a kind of a quietness to this that I really liked. I mean, I, it's interesting. I've been going in a bit of a rabbit hole, finding out where it came from. And it's actually a German bestseller novel. And what's really interesting is that when I looked at what the novel was about, there was a character in there that was an American character who's a lieutenant and, you know, close links to the president. And there's that real kind of the Americans come in to save the day. What's really interesting about this TV series is that there doesn't seem to be any American money in it. And so, therefore, the American character has been ditched. And I really, really like that because for once we've got a story with a whole bunch of people in the world coming together trying to figure out this problem, but there's no American to save the day. And the reason I bring this up is because in many ways, the swarm is like 
a classic American disaster movie of the 70s. You've got this big cast. You kind of find out interesting backstories to their characters. And then all of these terrible things keep happening. And every now and then you lose one of your uh, your major characters. So, uh, yeah, I absolutely love this. I thought this show was beautiful to look at, really interesting. And I love the cast. I'll, I'll say this just quietly. <laughs> this has got one of the sexiest casts I've seen in some time. I don't know. Maybe I'm discovering that scientists are sexy, but like <laughs> literally <laughs> – Every person was in this cast. I was like, oh, my God, I'm in love with you. I, I just really, really bought into this. And it's not a cast of well-known household names by any stretch, is it? These are not at all. European. There's a lot of Germans. I think there's some uh, Norwegians and people that we're not yeah. overly familiar with. Yeah, it's, you know, there's a, there's a Canadian actor and then, of course, you've got this, this uh, character, this uh, German actress who is uh, tending a lighthouse in the Shetland Island and uh, she meets this beautiful Scottish man in a pub and, you know, they're having a bit of a thing, but he always kind of slips off to the side because her work uh, is more important with what's going on. But, yeah, you know, there there's a moment about halfway through this, James, where this big scale disaster happens. And wow, you talked about this costing a lot of money. It's the most expensive German TV series ever made. Really? Uh, the dialogue is mostly in done in English, but we also have German in there. We have Japanese, French. We have a whole bunch of uh, different nationalities and languages being spoken, but it's made for a global international audience. And I guess English is the, the the common language to all of them. Um, so there's not that many subtitles to wade through. And, yeah, I just thought it was terrific and I really, really hope they make a second series. Yeah, I think that actress is uh, Leonie Banesh, who you mentioned, as the scientists posted to the Shetland Islands. Um, yeah. She was been in the um, – she played Princess Cecile in The Crown over three yes. episodes. She oh. is beautiful. She's got the most beautiful eyes. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of shots of her kind of looking at computer monitors and <laughs> looking at these things going on, and her eyes are darting back and forth. But she's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, she doesn't like authority, and she's been sort of banished to work on the Shetland Islands as as punishment, I think. And um, there's a great scene of her trying to, trying to work in the pub um, where she's set up in a yeah. bar. That's that's very funny. It's good stuff. Yeah. So look, the action happened. Look the, at the start. Starts in Peru. We we never really go back. Do we find out what happened to that bloke in Peru later in the series? That's no, no. It just kind of uh, moves on from there. It it becomes much more about uh, the Arctic, the Arctic Ocean. It's happening oh, okay. at the top of the world, and and that's one of the things I liked about this because in some ways this is, uh, you know, I actually get really, really uh, upset by shows that are doomsday, apocalyptic, end of the world scenarios with awful things that are going on. But because this one is pretty much all set in the northern hemisphere. Atmosphere, uh, there doesn't seem to be anything horribly going going wrong in Australia. So you're able to breathe a bit of a sigh of relief. It's not coming from Antarctica. There's something going on at the other end of the world. Yeah. If for me, look, I'm I'm not into it as much as you are. The I just found there are too many subplots and too many characters to follow. 
Um, but I guess it, it sounds like it certainly all comes together later on, but there's too many scientists in laboratories that I get confused about where they are or what they're talking about and they're trying <laughs> yeah. to track, you know, what's causing all this um, undersea activity. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm interested to find out on why it's – they've done it very well as setting up the thriller sort of aspect of really making you wonder, come on, tell us what is causing all this. So, you, yeah, yeah. There's a good cliffhanger at the end of every episode that makes you think, oh, maybe one more episode I'll find out. <laughs> so, you, yeah. So, you, you keep on watching. Uh, and you're absolutely right. All of those scientists do eventually come together and, and join forces to try and figure out what's going on. Okay. Okay. So, that's The Swarm, uh, Foxtel and Binge, eight episodes. Andrew Mercado has watched them all. So, that is a big tick anyway i think that if he's gone through them um i'm not there yet but i'm i'm pretty keen to keep going look um show of the week i've only got really two to pick from this week because that's all i've yeah. seen it's got to it's got to be the crowded room or the swarm i think i'm going to have to go with amanda seafried um <laughs> and and go with the crowded room because I'll, I'll stick with that uh, look i love the way the authenticity of the period, that 1979, um, just that Rockefeller Center, Radio City Music Hall just looked fantastic. And I just love that setup. So look, I'm going to tick um the crowded room. I think we know what you might be choosing. Well, not. yeah, look, I mean, I I it's really, really hard for me because I love the swarm and I've I've watched it all, which you're right, James. I don't often get to the end of shows. I loved it. But God, you know, the first inventors, I mean, the stuff that's in there, it's so, so interesting what we're able to prove with science now and and this untold history. As a as a historian, I love shows about history and I love when we get into Australian history and we're doing it so much now, uh, going back and looking at our history and looking at our history from a different angle. So ultimately, I have to make my show of the week the first inventors because I'm so excited about what's coming next in their three episodes. But Only four two. episodes total. Okay. Yeah. And you had two cracking shows this week, didn't you? So just reminding people that you're also very much into the swarm. A um, couple of things before I go this week. Look, I've I said I've been travelling and it's often hard to get on and, and use my streaming service or the preview services, but one of the things, that, a tip of the hat to Apple, whose who's who's screener setup is the state of the art. They do it yeah. so much better than anybody else. And if anybody yeah. else looks at wants a model of how to let people have easy access to preview shows, it's got to be Apple's screening service. And that's where I've been watching, catching up on Ted Lasso a little bit. I think yes. season, season three has just wrapped. I'm a long way behind. I'm early on in season two. But the thing yeah. I wanted to mention was I think it's episode two of season two, that Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby turn up. Yeah, is, I know. Which is really funny watching it since what has happened to that show in the last yeah. um, the last few weeks, which it's just blown up. Philip Schofield's left ITV. Um, yeah. It's just been amazing. We won't go into all that, but it's just incredible watching them sort of <laughs> at their peak, if you like, sort of at a cameo as the sort of, you know, the, the pin-up um, 
sort of chat show in the, the UK. Um, the other thing yeah. quickly was there's an article I've just come across published about a week ago in Vulture, which I think is the the sort of culture pages of New York magazine. It's called The Binge Purge. Uh, the subhead is TV streaming model is broken, but it's not going away. For Hollywood, figuring that out will be a horror show. And that's one of the things we've talked about on this um, podcast quite a lot of times, the explosion in streaming and the way the big studios are trying to make that the future is one of the reasons yeah. there's just so much TV. There's just way too much for people to consume. It's a business model that's, you know, might send some of these studios broke um, <laughs> as they try and figure it out. And this story talks about how the the sort of the broadcast industry had a very successful business model in the US uh, based around free-to-air and cable. They've thrown it out the window, putting all betting all their money on streaming platforms, and there's so many streaming platforms um, that people can't possibly, A, afford them all, or B, watch all the content. So it would be how fascinating seeing how this comes about. And in the background of this, I interviewed someone from um, – from uh, Warner Brothers Discovery in Australia this week about the launch of Max. That's another streaming platform that's coming. They said, look, it's not in their business plan for this year or next, which was sort of shorthand for saying it will be here in 2025. So that's something else. We get, you know, how will that work? You know, it's going to have all the HBO mm. content, but look, it's just. And, and, and what will that mean for Fox? Tell who relies so heavily on that HBO content. Wow. Absolutely. You know, it's um just be incredible and it's something we'll talk about a lot more over the next weeks and months and no doubt well, years. Anything you want to leave us with, Andrew? Yeah, I want to tell you, go to Entertainment Weekly, James. There's a story there about the end of Billions, which is one of your favourite oh. shows. And so Billions, uh, they are confirming that Showtime, now that Billions is ending, they are going to have a number of spin-offs. They're potentially suggesting one called Millions, uh -huh. another called Trillions, <laughs> and they're talking about moving the action to Miami and London. Uh, just draw your attention to that we'll probably have to talk about next week. It seems to have slipped by. There doesn't seem to be a lot of pre-publicity buzz about this, but I'm noticing on ABC on Wednesday, June 21st, Queen of Oz at 9.35 p.m. at night. Now, I think this is the Catherine Tate sitcom where okay. she plays a member of the royal family that gets sent down to be the Governor General of Australia. I've, I read about it a couple of weeks ago. I didn't realise it seems to already be here. So we'll have to look into that some more. If there's a series that Catherine Tate has made in Australia, it's got to go to the top of our list, right? Oh, I love it. Fantastic. You are going to be a very busy man watching all of them. Yeah, I will. Well, something we'll have to give. Something we'll have to give. Yeah. Look, that's been um, TV Gold for another episode. Remember, you can reach out to us at comments at tvgold.au. Andrew, um, thanks for joining this week. What's in your uh, column this week? I'm writing about the first inventors and the swarm. Some more behind-the-scenes info about them both. Wonderful stuff. All right. Thanks so much, Andrew Mikado. We'll be back again in seven days. Thanks, James. Have a great week.